This is an SBC Media Partners production. Swung on, hit high and deep. Right field. Good 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 it is Phillies fans, these are your glove stories with Murph. Let's check out Greg Murphy. Murphy, got a special guest, huh? Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Glove Stories with Murph, brought to you by Beck. Bet Parks, Casino, Sportsbook, and App, Shy Vintage Sports, and the great folks at Phillies Nation as well. And hey, we are excited to bring in a guy with a ton of energy and uh, and, and just uh, some great stories to talk about his days, not only in a Phillies uniform, but his 13 seasons uh, spent in the big leagues. We welcome in Rex Hudler to the program. Rex, good to see you. It's been a long time since I've seen you, and uh, we really appreciate you being here today. Murph. Great to be on your show, and I can't believe you have enough tape, or, or uh, so to speak, uh, it, 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 for to get my stories, to share the the beautiful uh, opportunities that I've been given in my baseball career. Man, I thank God every day, twice a day, sometimes for the job, the business of broadcasting, playing. There's been two different lives, really. Yeah. Well, we're going to stretch the World Wide Web today and get them all in as best we can, uh, <laughs> because I, I know you have some great, great stories and, and we're excited to hear them. Uh, let, let me start way back, because uh, when you were growing up uh, in California, a really good athlete, terrific athlete, really, in a couple of different sports. Um, baseball for you, was it always going to be baseball? I know there was uh, some talk about maybe some college football in there as well, right? Yeah, you know, Murph, uh, it's a blessing to grow up in Central California, Central San Joaquin Valley, Fresno, uh, where um, the first sport I ever started playing in elementary school was soccer. Right. That was the was the best thing that could have ever happened to a young person. I encourage him today. The more re- well-rounded athletes you are, the better athlete. Period. Absolutely. So I learned how to run. I learned speed. Now, I'm sure that I was blessed with a lot of that, had great parents, great genetics, those type of things. Uh but you know, soccer, I, I loved it. It was fun. Uh, in the in the in the winter time in, in Central Valley, it's foggy because there's a mountain range, a coastal mountain range, and there's the Sierra Nevadas. And so we're in the valley. And so uh, uh, in the winter time, after it rains, they get fog. It's called Thule fog. And I remember getting up and getting in the back of a truck, and that's when you, your kids all got back there, your team, and you used to ride to yeah. the ballpark, and we'd sing our songs, we are the Cougars, right? you know, <laughs> I remember all that. How, it, was, it was all about team building. And I learned at an early age about teamwork and how important that was. But soccer helped develop my skills, and I'm really excited about that opportunity that I had there. Um, went on, played soccer till I was a junior in high school, so all the way through my elementary school, and then finally I had to give it up because of, any sport that was in season, Murph, was my favorite sport. Right. So, yeah. what was I? I was not. A, I was not focused. I would, a lot of these kids now play baseball all year round. That's their only sport, you know. And I was never concerned about burnout, but I couldn't wait to play the next one. You know, uh, street hockey. I would have been a hockey player had we had ice in Fresno, California. <laughs> because hockey, man, yeah. speed, finesse, power. Uh, contact, physical, uh, you know, and, and growing up in the playground too, we played tackle football back in the day. We didn't have um, the, the distractions that the kids have nowadays with the phones, with the with the video games. I mean, what are you going to do when you get home? We're going to go play ball. We're going to go back. <laughs> We're going to go play sports. We had four channels on our, on our TV stations. 
you got the three over the air, you know, the, the, the networks, and then you had a PBS station. <laughs> who's going who's gonna to come home and watch that? No, thank you. So, Murph, I'd like to encourage the young people today to, to put that stuff down if you have interest in being an athlete in any sport. You got to put all that other stuff down. You got to focus on what you're doing and, and learn each sport. And, uh, and I was a byproduct of that. Got to high school, had some wonderful coaches. I mean, coaches that had been there and done it. Division one school, pro, uh, I had a pro uh, uh, football coach that was a quarterback in the NFL. His name was John Anabo. And wow. then I had Mike Noakes, who was, a, who was a legend in the Valley. Those were my coaches. So I had this ability. I had some, 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 some talent, you know, I could speed and, and my hands were good. And, and I was tough physically and mentally because they taught me how to take a hit and get up and let's go get ready for the next one. We weren't babied. We weren't coddled. We were taught how to be professional ball players, and, and I was the only one in our whole class that, that, that went pro. But once I got, well, let me let me just let me just tell you, the, the, the amateur days were, were were just incredible. Now, my I had a mom and dad. Um, she got divorced at, at an early age, and and then my new dad, Hudler, my name was would have been Mobley. Okay, I would have been Mobley. But instead, my mom remarried and married Hudler. And, and Mobley said, hey, I don't want to keep interfering with you guys. So, so, Mr. Hudler, if you want to adopt my boys, I'll let you. So my dad gave us up for adoption. Wow. I had nothing to do with that. You need no control over, over what happened. Now, was that, was that confusing and painful? Yes. Did that linger on in my life like it does most people? Yes. But I had control when it came my turn to get married. And we'll get to that later. My mom taught me discipline. She's from Texas. They were tough down there. She had a uh, an upbringing where, you know, yes, sir. No, ma'am. Yes, right. ma'am. Um, manners, please and thank you. Eye contact, firm handshakes. So fast forward all that. I had a lot of fun in high school. I, I, I played the, th the three sports. And then my senior years come coming. My mom says, son, you know, you're playing three sports. You're going to end up being good in all three. Don't you want to be great in one or two of them? I mean, why don't okay. you eliminate? Yeah, eliminate. Let's, 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 let's knock one out. Which one don't, don't you like? And I go, well, Mom, you know what? At this stage, in, in, in the fifth grade, Murph, I knew I was going to be a professional. And I didn't know what sport it was going to be. But I loved competition. I loved beating the kids on the playground during recess. <laughs> I love PE. Those are my favorite subjects. Uh, I, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I knew at an early age. So with a little bit of guidance from my parents and the coaching that I had, they helped push me along the way. And, you know, you hear uh, smart ball players when they're at the end of their career or whatever, say thank you to their teachers and their coaches and their parents and people who helped mold them. Because I share with young kids all the time. You will not do it on your own. It won't happen. You will not do it on your own. And if you think you will, you're in big trouble. You're in a, for a rude awakening. You're going to need help. That's why the attitude's important that you, that you focus and you, you clear your mind and you realize that you only got a short time in your life to do this. And you don't want to waste many moments. Yeah. But, you, yeah. but so, so I had a great quarterback in high school. He could thread the needle for 60 yards to me. Great arm. Now, he never went, went on after high school and did anything uh, of uh, a magnitude, but 
he set me up. My my our, my final game as a senior, I caught 22 passes in one game. What? <laughs> so yeah, because it was a, we were it was we were desperate. We were playing West Bakersfield, wow. and it was a championship game. And and my quarterback and I were, were the only real weapons we had because I could I could run. I had above average speed. I could fly and had good hands, so I could get open. But uh, so now season's over, and I'm starting to get recruited. I'm getting uh, 25. Division one football scholarship offers. Wow. And I'm, wow. I'm not that great. I'm 6'1, 175 pounds. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a real guy, but apparently I, they thought I was. And so <laughs> I took my, I took my five visitations and uh, uh, I got to go to Notre Dame, Michigan state, um, Arizona state, Berkeley and UCLA. Those are my choices to, to visit. So I visited those schools and what was interesting Murph was that they flew me to Notre Dame first. And this was in 1978. And in 1977, the Fighting Irish just came off a national title. Mm-hmm. They had Joe Montana as their quarterback, some guy named Joe Montana. Pretty good, pretty good player. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, Dan Devine was their, was their head coach. And I, when I went to Notre Dame, their, their highlight reel was narrated by the great Lindsey Nelson, <laughs> a great Hall of Fame broadcaster. He, he's he's uh, passed since, but, but – uh, it was so first class. It was really impressive. I'm sitting in Dan Devine's office and I'm looking around at all the cotton bowl memorabilia, all the greatness, Era Parsegia, Joe Theismann. There was pictures all over his wall. It was so impressive. And he sits there like a, a job interview and he's got his papers and he's saying, well, Rex, we have a scholarship for you. Would you like to take it? And I said, oh, Coach Devine, are you kidding? That's amazing. Hey, can I just talk to my parents and I'll get right back to you? Sure enough, Rex, we want you to, we want you in the worst way. And I'm thinking, what? Okay. Thank you so much. So I was all giddy. And then when I flew back towards California, my stop was at Michigan state and in Michigan state, Daryl Rogers, head coach, they had a good offense and they had one of their players show me around. His name was Kirk Gibson. (laughs) he's a a college he's a junior at the time and he's showing me around and it's uh there was 13 feet of snow in 1978 it was a record winter back there and so when i was overwhelmed by the by all the snow but but here they are they're they're training their football team's training and kirk gibson is running 440s on the track indoors and i'm standing here watching with a couple of the coaches and he's kirk gibson is so fast he's almost lapping the entire team (laughs) <laughs> he was you could tell he was way above average athlete i didn't know who he was right from california a young kid i didn't know anything and then he takes me to play basketball and he's standing up underneath the basket and, and jamming he's he's slamming right right from just standing underneath the basket so he had hops he had he had speed i'm thinking so i asked one of the coaches sir who this guy's a freak who what's he who, who is he He's our all-American wide receiver. It's going to be a number one pick in the NFL. And I went, no wonder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So they set me up with Kirk Gibson. And so I asked him, can you take me to the baseball program, Kirk? I love baseball. He says, baseball's a sissy sport. You'll have to get somebody else to take you. You know, Gibson's a surly, surly dude. Even back then, he was surly. Sure. So I go home and. You know, I played my senior year of baseball, and Gibson went out for the baseball team too, and he played he played at, at Michigan State. 
Yeah. For whatever reason, they, they talked him into doing it. So now we're getting, I'm playing baseball. Um, I, I, I go back. I, uh, I asked my parents about a scholarship, Dan Devine. I called him, coach, I'd love to be a part of your eyes. Okay, kid, you got to take the SAT test. I went, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I had to take it a couple times uh, to get my score right. But so I'm all locked in. So I'm all signed with Notre Dame. I'm going to college. I'm going to go play football and get an education at a great university mm -hmm. and move it on. Okay. And then I'm, baseball's coming up my senior year at Bullard High School in Fresno, my senior year. And I'm going to go play baseball and have fun because I'll never play baseball again. And that's how I played. I was like, oh my gosh, this is it. So all the scouts are coming. They're coming to our games. We have a really good baseball team. And in California, we play a good brand of baseball. It's always good. The weather's strong. And I had a triple crown season. And the phone, the, the, the phone's ringing off the wall. Back then, we had wall phones. We didn't have any. <laughs> yes, I phones. remember them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, Murph, you're a lot younger than me, though. Not, not a lot, no. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so Murph, the scouts are calling. Does your kid have a chance to be draft eligible? He, my mom would say, no, he's going to college. He's going to Notre Dame. You'll waste your pick. And I heard her tell that to every phone call, every team that called. And I'm going, wow, I wonder why she's saying that. Well, you know what? She wanted her son to go to a great university. So draft day comes. Draft day comes and I come home from school and normal day, three o'clock in the afternoon. Mom, did anybody call by the, by the chance? She goes, yeah, the damn Yankees drafted you. <laughs> and I said, really? The New York Yankees? She goes, yeah. I go, what did you tell them? I told them they wasted their pick. <laughs> you told them that? Oh so God. sure yeah. enough, yeah. New York, I, I was 18th pick overall. Mm -hmm. And George Steinbrenner's first number one draft pick ever. He bought the team from CBS in 1973, and in 78, he got his first first-rounder, and I was a guy. Now, long story short, did it work out? No. I was a Yankee bust. But, yeah, I was a Yankee bust. After seven years, he traded me. But let me, let me just talk a little bit about, about how that happened. So here come the Yankees. A week later, Jack Butterfield, a head man for George Steinbrenner, and a guy named Al Rosen, who was his vice president. Al was a great baseball player in his day for the Cleveland Indians, uh, near Hall of Famer. Okay. And they show up at my door, and my mom says, okay, son, go to Mama Mia's and get you a pizza and come back in 45 minutes. And I went, uh, okay, we hadn't talked about that, but I did whatever my mom said or I'd get it back in. <laughs> so I took off. I went, came back 45 minutes later, knock on my front door. The door was locked, and my mom opened the door and goes, congratulations, son. You're a Yankee. <laughs> Well, all this time, I could, you know, I couldn't have an agent uh, because it would ruin my eligibility for college. Sure. So my mom played hardball with all of them until the last minute, and the Yankees got to town, and she played hardball to get the bonus up, and I got wow. a hundred hundred fifty thousand dollars signing bonus. And my mom knew I was happy about baseball, any sport. I, you know, baseball I just finished, and so now, how do I let Notre Dame know in a classy way? That I that I'm, I'm going to sign with play baseball. So yeah. I asked my mom, "Mom, will you coach? Will you call Coach Divine?" She goes, "What? Here's the phone, kid. You do it." 
Okay. Yeah, that's a tough conversation. Yeah, it was going to be. I was expecting um, a guy that's not happy because back then the NCAA, you lost your scholarship if a kid blew you off like that. Yeah. And they since they since have changed that, which they should. If a kid does that, they get their scholarship back. Yeah. So I call Coach Dan Devine. Coach, Rex Hudler here, and I just wanted to call you. Before I could get anything out, he goes, son, I heard the news. Yeah, I heard that you're a, you got drafted in the first round by the New York Yankees. You got to take Steinbrenner's money. You can't turn uh, that. And so here's a guy who says, congratulations. And I was expecting a guy to be angry and to be upset. That's but cool. to show the class of Dan Devine, the late Dan Devine, was really amazing at that time. And he goes, kid, you can always come back here. If you ever want to come back, we'll take you. And I went, gosh, thanks, coach. Man, that's Notre Dame for you right there. Classy, first class. And I went on, and it wasn't so pretty. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I read somewhere that you had a quote where you said that you don't know that you would have made it in college, that, that you, maybe you wouldn't have succeeded in college. Is that was is that an accurate quote from you? Or yeah, Because the way I was, I was a crash and burn type of guy. Okay. And I could have broke my neck. I mean, things could have happened. Football's a lot gotcha. different. And I was a physical wild man. I mean, who knows? I, so that's that's where that came from. Sure. Baseball allowed me a little better opportunity to uh, stay healthy, even though it, it's a quite a grind. And I had my injury issues early, but I spent six years in A-ball, Murph. I know. I know. Okay. And, and, yeah, yeah. so I want to ask you about that because, I look, obviously we know – you and your personality and the infectiousness and the positivity, but six years at A-ball, that, that had to test that metal a little bit, right? Was it, was it a difficult time? Oh, for sure. Especially being a number one pick. Whenever I yeah. went back to Fresno to live in the off season with my dad, um, people would say, when are you going to make it? Uh, and when are you going to turn pro? And I go, I already am professional, I am pro. Even, though, yeah. even though they're paying me 600 bucks a month. Right. <laughs> I'm still getting paid to play baseball, but it's hard. I'll, yeah. I'm going to get there. I'm taking my time. So there was pressure. There was pressure. And then after my sixth year of a ball, I went home to Fresno and, and coached Jim Sweeney at Fresno State University, a great head coach in football. And I was friends with his son. And anyway, he takes me to lunch and says, hey, hey, hey Rex, I'll scholarship you at 21 years old now. Y'all scholarship you. You got to forget baseball. It doesn't look like it's going to work out for you. Come and catch passes from Kevin, and you'll be great in your hometown. Hmm. And I went, oh, you know what? That's pretty cool, Coach. Thank you for that offer. That's amazing. And that's a, that's a wonderful gesture on your part. But you know what, Coach? I turned down the greatest football team in the world, Notre Dame. And he's Irish, Jim Sweeney. And his <laughs> eyes lit up. And I go, I'm Murphy, I, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I turned it down. I'm going to make it in baseball. I am not going to give up. My mom never trained me, uh, taught me to be a quitter. I'm going to fight and I'm going to, I'm going to get there. But thank you so much. So I walked out of his office and threw another log on that internal fire. Another log that said, you know what? There's just another person there that doesn't believe you can do it. So, you know, you ask people in sports and especially big leaguers, we all carry chips on our shoulder. Sure. A chip from something, whether it's somebody, you know, that doesn't like you or says you never will or, you know, for whatever reason, if you carry that chip, that chip stayed on me. So I go to the next year after my six years, I go to spring training. The spring, it, it's, it's spring is over. And when you're a minor leaguer, there's 500 guys in camp. 
at least there were back then. And they, they put your name on a, on a board, they post it. And so I remember going up and looking, I'm looking at the double A roster, thinking that surely they'd move me up. I was back on the single A roster again. And I got my, I went back to my locker in spring training. I packed all my stuff and I left. I was wow. so, I was so, I was so upset. Took, I left, I went back to the hotel. I started sitting at the hotel and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This is unbelievable. I've never expected this to be like this. Number one pick. And, you know, when Steinbrenner bought all of his team at the top, he, he bought all the free agents. So the minor leaguers never moved up. Yeah. It was a log jam of players. So he traded a lot of us and did that. And so I, 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 I sat there for about 10 minutes and I go, you know what? I'm going to go down there and hit 350. They're going to make, I'm going to make them move me up. So I took my, I went back. They never said nothing. I went back and I went there for a little bit. And so I'm hitting 300 down there again. And I, I went to my manager and I said, Hey, Skip, what do you think? I'm going to write Steinbrenner a letter. I'm going to ask him for a promotion. What do you think? And he goes, <laughs> okay, <laughs> whatever, whatever you think, just make it short. Dear Mr. Steinbrenner, I've had six years in your organization and I've never moved out of a ball yet. And presently I'm hitting 300 would have had a chance to get, have a full degree at Notre Dame. Had I turned you guys down already by now, please consider a promotion for me. All my best Rex Hudler. So I, I took the letter to the Bay Harbor Inn where his, uh, he owned the hotel there. And this was in St. Petersburg, Florida, We're playing the St. Petersburg Cardinals. And I took the letter up to the front desk and the lady at the front desk, I said, ma'am, when Mr. Steinbrenner comes to town, would you please tell him that uh, I have a letter for him? And would you give this to him? And she goes, oh, sure. He's here. I'll take it up to him right now. <laughs> I was expecting sometime during the summer when he came, you know, he'd read the letter. He was there. Boy, wow. my booty, my booty got tight. And so I'm thinking, man, get to the ballpark. There's Stump Merrill and George Steinbrenner sitting in the stands at four o'clock in, in the afternoon. Nobody in the stands but him. And I'm playing catch, man, with my warm-up my warm partner, and I'm getting nervous. My stomach's really growling. I'm wondering, oh, my gosh, is this guy going to be, be, be upset at you or what? So the meeting's over. My manager comes down in the field. I asked Stump Merrill, Stumpy, did, did George mention anything about the letter I, I wrote? And he, he looked at me. He had a big chew of tobacco, and he's chewing his tobacco. And he, went, he spit on the ground. And he goes, kid, he loved it. Wow. Oh, I, was, I was totally relieved. I went in the clubhouse and blew the toilet up. I was so <laughs> got two more, three more hits. Got a couple hits that night for him. We bust back to Fort Lauderdale, and at six o'clock in the morning, the phone rang and it says, "You're going to AAA." Wow. The next wow. day, the next day, George moved me up, and so I'm flying. I did a lot of talking with myself, and I, I was really talking on that airplane, huh? You can't go up there and lay an egg, man. If you do that, you're in big trouble. This guy here giving you a promotion, you better you better go up and, and stand up. And I did. And I hit 300. Now they're talking about trading Willie Randolph. And thank God they never did because I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't. So then, then next year, he, he trades me in the offseason to the Baltimore Orioles. I get a letter from George Steinbitter, a letter that says, it says, Dear Rex, Thank you for wearing the pinstripes. You exemplified a great deal what it meant to wear the stripes, the way you hustled, the way you played ball. 
Now I'm going to give you a chance. I believe I'm going to, I'm going to keep Willie Randolph. Earl Weaver wants you, and he's, he's going to make you an everyday player. Good luck and all my best. Let me know if I can ever help you, George Steinbrenner. Wow. So two classy organizations that I started with, Notre Dame and the Yankees, and now they're moving me to Earl Weaver. Oh, and by the way, in 84, when I got to the big leagues, there was a manager there named Yogi Berra. Hmm, I've heard of him. Yeah, yeah. I played Yogi for a month, couple months, and the next year they fired Yogi and hired Billy. So I got <laughs> to play for those two guys, and now they're trading me to Earl. So the first three managers I had in my big league career were all these great name guys. All of Amherst, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, then uh, shoot after that. Uh, Orioles, wrong place, wrong time, too. So here it is, two organizations, two stops. There's no places. Billy Ripken was coming. Mm -hmm. Cal Ripken was a shortstop. His dad was the manager after Earl retired. So what do you do if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time? You got two options. You quit or go home, or you stick it out, and you wait. You wait, you wait, you push, and you wait at the front door, you knock, and then you see a little crack in that door, and you bust through it, and that's kind of what happened to me. Yeah. But Murph, Murph, you have go ahead. I'll let you in. Yeah, no. So I was, I was going to say, take me, take me to uh, that that next move because you know here you are. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a long time since that 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 draft day, and you hear your name, and, and mom works the deal. But but you're finally getting your opportunity. What do you remember about you know finally breaking through and and, and realizing you've made it to the big leagues? Well, I'd already had my cups of coffee. You know, mm -hmm. with Yankees and Orioles, I had a little yeah. cup of coffee both places. So, so I had a little taste of it, but certainly not anywhere close to a career. So Murph, it ends up 10 years now. I'm in the minors. 10 years. <clears throat> so I'm thinking, you know what? I look back and, you know, I had, as a child early, I accepted Christ into my heart and I love God. And when you do that, you get the comforter in your heart. You have a, the Holy Spirit and he helps you lead. So I would ask God all the time, whenever it came to situations and and big decisions in my life. Wow, what do I do? Mm -hmm. So it's like having that comforter. I can go to him. And so he opened some doors for me. But I was toiling around the minors. I was doing drugs. I was chasing women. I was doing things that was really a little bit out of my character. But because when you get in the world, sometimes you get drawn in by the world. And I was. And then after 10 years of minor leagues, I look back and I go, well, wow, there's a reason. I mean, the Yankees would not have never drafted me in, in the first round, 18th pick, if I didn't have the ability. So the ability was there, but what was I doing with my time? Yeah. So I finally woke up, I looked in the mirror, and I go, wow, you know what? I didn't change my life. I'm tired of this life. And I said, God, will you help me find a wife? I need, I need somebody. I need, I need somebody to, to, to help me and comfort me and, and to be there for me. But because I came from a broken home, I was afraid of my choice. Because my, my choice could have been wrong. So what do you do? You ask God. <clears throat> he says, hey, Hud, nice to hear from you again. <laughs> I haven't heard from you in a while, but you know what? I hear your heart. I'll help you. I made the mountains, man. I can, I can help find a wife for you. So I prayed for a year or so, and, I, and, and he lifts up Jennifer. And I was mm -hmm. like, whoa, hey, God, you got great taste, man. <laughs> a beauty. She got a great heart. Man, you know what? Okay. And he goes, you asked me to lift her up. I'm lifting her up. Now it's up to you to catch her. So she was a tough catch. Yeah. She 
want anything to do with a ball player. And why would you want to do any, uh, marry a 10 year minor league ball player that had a couple months rent in the bank? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, so, so, so here's what happened. Now the transformation of my off the field mentality turned into great things on. I proposed to her. I, 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 uh, Cal Ripken, I was with the Orioles when I proposed to her. So I come into the locker room one spring training day. Fred Lynn was near me, Eddie Murray, some of those big name guys that were veterans. Huge. And, and so Cal, I go, Hey, Junior, got any ideas for me? I got my future wife I'm going to be proposed to here, and I got to find a way to do it. How do I propose to her and make it meaningful? And he goes, 15 minutes from here is Key Biscayne. Go rent a tall ship, get, a, get you a bottle of champagne, put it on ice. Take her out in the middle of her at sunset. Take her out in the key Biscayne in this tall ship. <clears throat> Excuse me. Ask her to marry. If she says no, throw her overboard. <laughs> Good <laughs> advice, Cal. <laughs> so so you, can, you can imagine that, you know, the, my teammates are laughing too. Sure. Ha ha, we put our uniform on, we go out and play. But practice is over and I go, what a great idea that is. So I went down, rented the tall ship of uh, Spirit of Miami. And here comes Jennifer. And I, I had one ring that I got. Um, I didn't have a lot of money. It was a nice ring, but I went out and took a loan on another ring that was bigger. It was more impressive in case I needed it. I took two <laughs> rings for engagement. Because when I, when I first met her, Murph, she didn't want nothing to do with a ball player. I don't blame her. So she, so I was like, oh my gosh, you know, this could be tough. I take her out. I get on my knee, did everything like anybody would do. Open that, that ring. Hey, you know, you're the woman, all that. You're the woman I want to marry and all that whole thing. And then, and she took the ring and didn't say nothing. So, wait. Cold sweat. <laughs> I started cold sweat, and I remembered I had the other ring in my pocket, in my other pocket. So I reached in the other pocket, I pulled it out, and I showed it to her. And there was a bling, it cut, you know, a couple carrots, two or three carrots. And she she laughed because she was probably wondering why would he have two rings. <laughs> but I wanted to close the deal, and so when she saw the second ring, she said, "Okay, I'll marry you, but not for another year." <laughs> <laughs> So now, Murph, here's the deal. Now I'm no longer playing for myself. Now I'm playing for my, my wife mm -hmm. and my future children. Yeah. And I'm 28 years old. The time is running out. I already spent a full career in 10 years in the minors. So I turned up everything. I turned everything up. My, my workouts, my focus, my meals. I started watching what I put into my body. And I signed with the Montreal Expos the next year and absolutely killed it. Yeah. And instead of, instead of soft-stepping out there when I was facing Mike Boddicker and, and, and these great uh, pitchers when I was a rookie, I was scared. And now uh, uh, it's my turn now. It's right. my turn. So when I got in that batter's box, I turned from my family against your family. I it's on. That. Yeah. And when you turn that up, when you turn that up, Murph, that was a that was a big turning point in my career, and things worked. And I went to the Expos, and and uh, Buck Rogers said, "Hey, he sent me out after two weeks being with them, and I was in great shape, but I was in not in good baseball shape, play because I needed some, some reps." And he calls me in, and he says, "You can't hit, you can't field. The only thing you can do is run, and you can't steal first base in this league." So I'm sitting here with my head up, getting married in the fall. Does has no idea about how about who I am. And I said, "Hey, Buck, 
That's okay. You say that. Look, send me down. Don't fire me. Send me to your miners. Give me two months and I'll see you in two months. You'll need me. So two months later, he calls me up. I come up. Otis Nixon came with me and he hit us one and two in that order for the Expos. And we took that team from fifth place to second place in three weeks. Wow. And we attacked. And I look, I got my lead at first base and I looked down over there and I said, I want the biggest, baddest names out there because it's my turn. I'm going to nail their ass and they're going to know who I am. It's my yeah. turn now. And that attitude with my physical skills and my contact skills, I was aggressive. I knocked, I broke up double plays. That worked. And yeah. I played like a madman. So that was the whole transformation from the minor league career to the major league career. And that is such an interesting way to, to hear that story. I've heard other ballplayers say that, that something clicked in their mind at one point, And they said, I have to stop saying, wow, I'm, I'm getting to face so-and-so and, and think about it. Hey, they have to face me kind of thing. And that, that sounds exactly what, you know, what your transformation was. It's like, you can't play baseball worrying about the other guy. You got to be thinking this guy right here is going to do some damage and that you figured that out and, and it changed the, the trajectory of your career. It sounds like it did Murph. but here's the, here's the whole key really is that when you give up uh, um, the reins of your life to God, he, he says, okay, thank you. Now I'll take you. And yeah. so he, he, so I get married with Jennifer. We get married at the season's over. I had a really good season. They called me up, you know, it was a good year. Uh, we get married. And the next year I'm with the Expos and Buck Rogers calls me into the office the day before we break camp. And he goes, Hey kid, I want you to know you're going to be my utility player this year. You showed me a lot last year in the four months that you had, that I had you and everything. And so the meeting's over and I go, wait a minute. I just want to hear that you got a quality player. <laughs> last year you told me I couldn't steal first. I mean, I couldn't do any of this stuff. Right. You tell me, I want you to tell me that you got yourself a good utility player. So I made him come out with it. I talked about, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, I was all, all playing for me now. It's a business. You told me that now I want to hear that. So anyway, I never spent a day in the minors after that. And God honored that. But here's what he said when I, when we, we, my vows, Jennifer, and I had our vows. He goes, HUD, you lived your life for 10 years out there. You didn't trust me at all. You live for yourself and you got nothing. Okay. Now I'm going to let you in the promised land. Okay. I'm going to let you in. But because of your choices, you're going to play on every last place team I can find. <laughs> okay? you're, I'm going to use you now for me. I'm going to use your energy. I'm going to use that enthusiasm that you have from me to losing locker rooms, where in losing locker rooms, you really need it. You yeah. need guys with energy. And so sure enough, 10 years later, I look back and only had one chance to go to postseason and got eliminated by Randy Johnson and the Mariners in 95. And I that's never sniffed a postseason game. <laughs> so, Murphy, so in the meantime, now being a utility guy, you're gonna you know you, you sit on the pine for nine. You don't get to play all the time. So what do you do? You encourage your teammates. That's right. You have fun with them. Yeah. You lift them up. You come into the locker room when you're in last place like this. You carry yourself like you're hitting 300, and you're in first place. That's called giving energy, positive energy. Mm -hmm. Don't forget about my numbers and how bad. And a lot of guys are walking to the clubhouse like this with their head down. What's yeah. wrong? What's wrong with you? Is everything okay in the, when you're with your family? Yeah. Well, well, why, are you, why is your head down? Well, I'm getting beat. Oh, you're getting beat. Well, welcome to the big leagues. And you're going to get beat again unless you get your head up. 
and you're getting beat by big league players, the best in the world, not getting beat by high school players. So get your head up. Let's go. Yeah. I spent a majority of my career doing that. And at the end, I was blessed to become a fighting Phil. Yeah, 97 and 98. Take me there. Yeah, because, you know, it's funny. You didn't spend a long time with the organization, oh. but your impact, it, it it's still there. And, you know, for I was covering the team at that time, young reporter, but but I remember you and I remember your energy. And, and you know, we see you occasionally from time to time when we're in Kansas City and vice versa. But the connection is still there with you and the organization for sure. Man, I love the, the, the Giles family. Um, I, I loved um, all, um, Montgomery, David Montgomery and his wife. Those people, you know what? And I was so impressed with my teammates. Kurt Schilling. You had some good ones. That guy, Schilling, you know what? Say what you want about Kurt Schilling. That guy's heart is gold. His family's gold. He brings me there. He goes, Hud, what do you think about getting behind us here with ALS? ALS is a great organization, but these people are suffering. And we're trying to help them find a cure. And I was so impressed with that passion and guys that give. And at that end time of my career, I was at the end of my career, man, that's when you give back or, you know, you find a way. Yeah. So I was touched. Jennifer and I had our first boy, my, my first baby boy. He had what the world calls down syndrome. Mm -hmm. We call it up syndrome because mm -hmm. he has nothing but love and unconditional love for others. And all those people do with that extra chromosome. And so it, what, what, what was beautiful was I shared that story with Jim Salisbury and the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer in an opening day in 1980, uh, when was that? Uh, it was 97, 1997. Opening day, they had a picture of me and my son, my baby Cade, and then I was nuzzling him. And, and I shared my story about having a, having a little boy with a, with a disability. And, and so the Philly fans, that day, I went out and got my first Philly hit and I blew my other hamstring. So I wasn't in really good shape. And I remember getting booed by 67,000 in Philly coming off the field because I was their, I was their free agent guy. Mm -hmm. and so I'll never forget how the, the humility of how that felt. But then right away after they, those folks read that, that article, I started getting buckets of fan mail. I mean, big buckets of fan mail. And I'm reading it in the middle of the Philly locker room. And I'm opening and I'm, and I'm seeing the encouragement letter saying, hey, my son, congratulations. My son, you know, he graduated from high school. My son, man, he's he, he's almost thinking about driving a car. He's doing so many things. He's got a job. He works. So I'm reading all this mail. And we didn't have phones back then. So the guys in the clubhouse would read the newspapers. And I'm in the middle of the clubhouse. And there's Darren Dalton, Mickey Morandini. Uh, there's, there's Lenny Dykstra. And all these guys, they're all watching me because I'm new to their team and they're watching me open this mail and I would get emotional Murph. I couldn't help it. I'm looking at these pictures and I'm going, wow, this is what my son's going to look like. And, and I would get emotional. And then I remember, uh, I looked up and I looked around at my teammates and they were looking, they were watching me over their newspapers. They were watching me. And then when I looked at them, they put the newspapers up like they weren't. And I said, I, 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 I stood up and said, Fellas, I mean, I don't want to bring this locker room down. I apologize, man. I'm so sorry if I am. And Darren Dalton stood up and said, Hud, we got your back. We are one of you. You are us. You're, we're family here in Philly. And I'll never forget that the rest of my life. Darren yeah. Dalton, God rest his soul. What a leader he was. And, 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 and to be able to taste Philly and the passion that those fans have, I'll never forget it. And so, sure enough, 
we went on and, you know, I wasn't doing much, but Terry Francona's first year as a major league manager, a soon Hall of Fame manager, had 12 rookies on the team. And one of those guys, Scott Rowland. Yes. So he had me as a veteran guy, an energy giver, a booster. Like I, He hired me like that to, to, to come there and finish. And I expected to be a lot better than I was, but injuries depleted me, and I, I was about done. But I got to mentor some of these guys, and I'm still friends with Scotty Rowland, Terry Francona, you know, Schilling. They're all still buddies with those guys. But what a stop for me and Philly, Murph. Murph, those people, I love them. It's too bad I couldn't be a star for them, so they would have recognized me a little more. But I love them, and I can't wait to come back. And you know what? I think you know this, but you don't have to be a star in Philadelphia. You have to be hard nosed and you have to be enthusiastic and want to play. And I think that's what they recognized uh, in you for sure. Um, You know, at least that's my memories of it, because that's what I remember. Um, You know, someone who was at the ballpark every day with the smile on his face because he knows he has the best job in the world. And uh, and even if if you're not playing, you know, to where you want to play, you were still bringing something to that clubhouse each and every day and that's that's almost as important and uh and i think you know you mentioned some of the names and and some of your teammates uh kevin stocker another one of your teammates is one of my radio partners now um yeah yeah so you know like there's there's just there was a lot of great people inside that clubhouse and i know you touched most of them for sure yeah you know and uh just uh but you know let me just share the feelings of being booed by 67,000. <laughs> okay. Nothing personal. Nothing. I, sh- I deserve to be booed because I was not what they expected. And that's, that's the environment there. But I went in, in there in the trainer's room and, I, and I, I was so humiliated by my lack of play and my, 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 my injuries that I crawled up underneath the, the sink. I was under the sink with the cockroaches. They all just scattered out of there. And, and that's his old veteran stadium. The veteran stadium, yeah. I'm laying, I'm laying underneath the, the trainer's sink. And I wanted to lower myself to feel that way. For 30 minutes, I'm in there, and I'm just weeping. I'm so upset that I wasn't who I was supposed to be for the Phillies. And it just didn't work out at that particular time in my career. I'll never forget the feel of that. And then when the trainer... Looked under there and he goes, hey, Hug, come on, man. We got to get some ice on that thing. <laughs> time to get out. <clears throat> but there was a time to just feel that humility and feel that whole. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm thankful that I got to feel that. And I, it was an honor to be booed by those people who are passionate about their job and what they do. And they're passionate about life. And so Jennifer and I, because of their passion, started what now is called Team Up for Down Syndrome. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that for sure. Yeah, it's a, a wonderful, uh, for, for someone whose family is also touched and blessed by Down Syndrome, um, my nephew, uh, the Team Up for, for Down Syndrome Foundation, it, what you and Jennifer have been able to do is raise awareness up syndrome. I love that. You know, this idea that, uh, that it's somehow a hardship um, flies out the window, and and in turn, you see the blessings that that these these people bring to your lives, and uh, it, it's a wonderful foundation. How can you, folks, obviously, website and and all that they can get involved. Absolutely, teamupfordownsyndrome.org. Is that it? Huh? Okay, still the same thing. Uh, love it. 
we we take the funds and we share them amongst the Down syndrome community, and, yeah. and we 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 love on people, and we just try to raise awareness. Continued, but you know the, the whole thing is to Murphy's. Those people in Philly started me. You know, there's time. There's a grieving time in our lives. We have a little grieving time, sure. and then and then now it's time to be brought out. And I had the choice that year be, to, between the Dodgers, who were a first place team, and the Phillies, who were a last place team. And like I shared earlier. Jennifer and I grabbed each other's hands and we asked God, what city do you want us in, God, L.A. or Philly? And he said, Philly. We went to Philly and got blessed because of that. We, we went to where he wanted. I wanted to end my career on a winning team. And sure. we were just 30 minutes up the road. We lived in Anaheim. We played for the Angels. And so he says, no, I want you to go to Philly. I got plans for you there. Wow. More plans for humiliation and more plans for growth. But he goes, No. I'm sending you there because you're going to need lifted and I'm, you're going to be lifted by those people, not brought down. Who cares? They booed you. Look at all the thousands of letters you got from those people that said, congratulations. And to that point, my, my friends didn't know what to, what, what to say to me when they found out we had Cade, our, a boy with an extra chromosome. They would say, oh, we're so sorry. And that hurt. Yeah. What do you mean you're sorry? I just had a child. I never would say that to him, but I was, I was hurt. Sure. It wasn't, it wasn't until we got to Philly when I started becoming congratulated. And it was time to come out of my, of my uh, grief and let's move forward. Let's move forward with life and love and, and feel the, the, the love and the power of the Philadelphia fans. I'll never forget you guys out there, Murph. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, Philadelphia fans are going to love to hear that, Rex, for sure. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, that, that list of people being booed, that's a long and illustrious list. But the people who recognize uh, what this fan base can be and is, um, that's, that's a smaller list. And, and I'm glad to hear that, uh, that that's the way you look at it. I'm a lifelong Philadelphian and uh, very proud of that. And, and sometimes I think we get a bad rap here in Philly. So it's a, it's a great way of looking at it. Um, look, I, I, I don't want to keep you much longer. I did just let folks know uh, 20 years of broadcasting now, too. You spent you're, you're a lifelong baseball man. And I know you look at that as such a blessing in your life as well. I mean, how lucky are we that we get a chance to spend our days every day in and around this game? Right. And you get a chance to talk about it and, and share your experiences and all of that. Murph, I'll, I'll try to keep it tight. But man, <laughs> career's over. I'm in Philly. We're living in Newtown Square. They, they let me go. And it was, you know, it was time to go. I was 37 years old. And I got to walk away. But, 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 but before I, I, I retired, I got my 10-year anniversary of being in the big leagues. And Terry Francona and the Phillies gave me two years to complete that. So when I called the union and said, hey, guys, when's my 10-year anniversary? They said, it's on Mother's Day. And that was a perfect day for me because my mother was my hero. And so the day after my 10, I went into Tito Francona and Terry in his office. And I said, Tito? I'm a fulfilled ball player today, man. I got my 10 <laughs> years in. I can't believe it. And thank you for the two-year deal you gave me. And, and I love playing for you, Tito, but I'm a fulfilled ball player now. You can do with me whatever you want. You can trade me for a couple of cases of baseballs if you want. You can, try, you can uh, send me to the minors. You owed me a lot of money. I'll, I'll go down and I'll work with those minor leaguers. Or you can, flat, you can just release me. I'm fulfilled. Thank you so much. Oh, and by the way, and I took my uniform off and I handed it to him and I said, when that when you give this jersey to the next young punk that comes in here, tell him he could never take it from me. 
<laughs> I'm giving it to him. You gave it to him. <laughs> yes, there was a lot of satisfaction. Walked out, asked God once again, whenever I came into a, a time in my life, I needed guidance. What's next? He says, I got a spot for you. The angels called me like a week after I retired and said, will you be our broadcaster next season? This was in May. It yeah. was in May. So I started my broadcasting career with the great Steve Fiziak, and today I still work with him. Um, Sparky Anderson was the guy there. Uh, uh, we, we did 11 years there in a world championship with the Angels in 02. They got tired of me. They let me go. I had spent two years off with my family. Then I had three more kids. So I've had, I had four kids and it was a perfect time to get a little time off. And then two years after that, we're living in Orange County, not working for two years. And Jennifer goes, Hey, you know, we're getting into your baseball savings now. You better find a job. <laughs> Time to you know? work. Yeah, yeah. And so I went, oh, she goes, I know you like not working. I go, man, this has been great. So what did I do? I got on my knees when I would share with my kids and I would pray with my kids. God, there's got to be another team. I feel broadcasting is still there. I love it. It's so fun to share and teach the game to people. Man, and so sure enough, a couple weeks later, the, 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 the Royals called. Kevin Eulick, the same, he calls, the guy that hired me with the Angels was with the, with, with the Royals and said, HUD, we want you to come broadcast here. And that's so unusual to broadcast for a, a team you never played for. Yeah. Yeah, the fan base didn't know me or anything. That's what makes it more even unordinary. But with God, everything's possible. He, he opened a door for me there, and the, the Royals said it's going to be hard on you because Frank White was the broadcaster organization had a little run in they whatever they went different ways and they said they we don't like people from new york or california taking one of our jobs here in the midwest so you're going to be in for trouble and sure enough it was rough <laughs> and they the fans there's an airplane flying over the ballpark where's frank we want frank back there was people that had signs in the stands you know we don't want you here so this was a really interesting transition coming here and so I remember going, waking up one morning going, God, are you sure? I probably should have never said that, Murph. I should have never asked that. Because he goes, he goes, you get yourself up out of bed. I called you to come here. And when I open doors, I don't, I don't crack them. I fling them open. You go and be the guy I called you to be. This team needs you. This, this, this organization, these fans need your energy. You go, my energy, God said. It's from me. And that's what enthuo means. Enthusiasm, Murph, is, is of God. So he gives us that. And I took it, and, and I went out there, and I passed my baseball cards out to the fans, and thankfully, they started winning. They were 10 games yeah. yeah, they were 10 <laughs> games over the next year. And the next year, World Series. And the next year, they won the World Series. So winning cures all, Murph. There's yeah. a, you hear, we hear that statement. It's true, especially for me here. And they accepted me, and now I'm in my 11th season here. Uh, being thankful for every day that I get a chance to do that and, and go into the ballpark, whether we're in first place or last place, and just sharing ball and being around the grand game energizes me. And I thank God three times a day, Murph, that I can do what you get to do and I you know. feel it too. It's a huge blessing. And I hope it never, never ends. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Rex. Uh, you know, I, I think I thank every day. You know, I'm so blessed to be able to do what I do, and and I know, and, and I knew in speaking with you today that uh, well, I left my back door open just so I could 
run through the wall when I was done speaking with you because I, I didn't want to I didn't want to break anything because that's that's what you do you, you just you just bring that kind of uh, enthusiasm and energy to everything you do and you certainly brought it uh, for us today uh, it's a lot of fun I haven't laughed at for a solid half hour for for quite some time so um I really appreciate it some great stories uh, and really some great messages as well so um you know just keep doing what you're doing I know you get out there and you're a motivational speaker and and we can all see why and um you know what you and jennifer have done with the with the foundation you know keep that up and, and great work and, and and thanks we really appreciate you being with us today rex murph i've been i've been anticipating this interview for a long time yeah it's been it's been a while in the making <laughs> yeah we just, we just got you know we just got back from uh new york and chicago uh late last night so i yeah. woke up this morning a little foggy and i kind of forgot about it and i went oh man and they went oh yes so thank you for letting me have a chance to share with your people. And I look forward to coming physically to Philly again. Tell Stock I said hi. I will. And, yeah, uh, I love him too. <laughs> any of the other Phillies, uh, John Crook and all my buddies there. Thank you so much, uh, Murph. I appreciate it. All right. It. Thank you, Rex. All the best to you. And we will see you soon. We'll take a quick break here on Glove Stories with Murph. But uh, more to come. Charlie Manuel, Larry Boa joining us next. So stay with us. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shad Vintage Sports. This week in 2009, Harry Callis was inducted into the team's Wall of Fame. Callis debuted as a broadcaster in the city during the 1971 season, the first year of Veterans Stadium, and became the sound of summer for millions of fans. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shad Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13th and Walnut Streets or at ShadSports.com. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. Welcome back to Glove Stories with Murph. Murph to you by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, Shad Vintage Sports, and the good folks at Phillies Nation as well. We thank them for their support, and we welcome in, as we do every week, Charlie Manuel and Larry Boa to give us some thoughts on some big topics uh, in and around baseball. And today I wanted to talk a little bit just about great athletes. Now, obviously, baseball players or professional baseball players are amongst the best athletes on the planet with all the rest of the professional sports uh, in there as well. But uh, every once in a while, a ball player stands out as a great athlete, perhaps not the best ball player, but a great athlete. Uh, Shohei Otani, who we're watching nowadays, he's both. 
Um, but I, I wonder, guys, are there guys that you think back and you say, oh, this guy could have played in the NFL, this guy could have played in the NBA, this guy could have played nine positions in, 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 on the ball field. Larry, uh, who were some of the best athletes you played with? Well, I got one, and you just rattled it off what he would have been, Dave Winfield. He was like yeah, number sure. one first-round draft pick in football, basketball, and baseball. And to play against this guy was unbelievable. I mean, he was an unbelievable athlete. But to be, get drafted in the first round in all professional sports like that, uh, I mean, he was Incredible. probably one of the best I've ever seen. And another one, uh, I can give you two more, but Ron Reed, who also was one of our, he's going on the Wall of Fame for yeah. us. He played in the NBA. Those guys that play in the NBA and, and play in baseball and, and, and multiple sports, they're special athletes. And uh, to see those guys do that was something that, that was incredible. And everybody knows the other guy, Mike Schmidt. You can put any kind of ball in his hand, Murph. Ping pong, basketball, golf, tennis. It doesn't matter what sport you want to play him one-on-one -on -one with. He was an incredible athlete, and he can do many things with different yeah. sports. There's no question in my mind. That's interesting. I, 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 I mean, I know, I know he's a great athlete and I, I know everything he touches, he, he's good at, but that, that, that he, that he would be in your, in your three there. Uh, that's really cool. Cool. All right, Charlie, what about you? Who were some of the guys that you, that you remember? I remember, uh, I'll say the guys that played for me was, uh, Kenny Lofton. Okay. Uh, yeah. He was a basketball player in, in, uh, in college and he, uh, never played baseball until he was like a junior in college Jeez. and uh, uh he, he could do a lot of things on the baseball field but actually actually just being an athlete he was tremendous robbie alomar played for me he was a 5-2 player he was definitely talented uh a, a guy that I, I seen play that i thought was very talented was bo jackson yeah you know like he comes into to my mind uh but overall the whole my whole baseball career i gotta pick willie mays because of uh he was so flamboyant and so smooth to watch. Everything he did was energy. Uh, whether he, uh, he if he if he got four balls, he took a walk. You know, like motor, he, the way he kind of jogged at first base with it was energy. Everything about it. And uh, but at the same time, the guys that played for him had to be Lofton or uh, or uh, Robbie Alomar. Yeah. Yeah. Lawson's a great one. I mean, I, I remember watching him obviously play and, and it, you know, you it's smooth and, and just like everything would look effortless for Kenny Lofton uh, playing that game out there. And obviously it's I, not. Uh, I will, uh, I will uh, say that I like Bo's pick Winfield because yeah. I watched, I watched Winfield play uh, uh, basketball at university of Minnesota. I watched, I saw him pitch in college and things like that and play different positions. And uh, he was some kind of big time athlete, really. That's that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, here, so settle this age old argument, and I'm asking two professional baseball players this question. But uh, what what sport has to have the best athletes? What do you think, Larry? Well, that 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 that's that's a, a great question. question. I, yeah. I got the only reason I'm saying this is because, and I'm not talking about during the, the regular season because there's no defense in that. But if you watch basketball players. They're unbelievable athletes, especially when they're playing in the playoffs and they play defense. Those big bodies, the way they push each other around. Uh, Charlie was a basketball player, and I'm sure he appreciates that a little bit. Yeah. But I watch basketball players, and <clears throat> they're unbelievable shape, and the stuff they do on a basketball court is unbelievable. As far as <clears throat> the sport itself, baseball's right there because you're playing 162 games. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, b- basketball, you play three days a week. Football, you play once a week. Hockey's two or three times. But baseball, man, you're playing every single day during heat waves, cold in the, in, when you break spring training. But I would say basketball and baseball for me. Yeah, and, and I tend to agree with you, although I think if you want to make the argument the most difficult thing to do in sports is to hit a baseball. Um, right. I think that's probably, the you know, you watch the best athletes in the world and you stick them in a batting cage and they've never done it before. I mean, it's as awkward as it gets. However, uh, overall, the, the NBA and the bounce, uh, you know, you're talking about eye-hand coordination, footwork, strength, agility, yeah. all of that. Yeah, there, there's a lot to it. What do you think, Charlie? I think uh, I think Bo's right on in basketball. Uh, when I sat there and watched the 76ers about two or three weeks ago, you know, like uh, I see all the acrobatic shots and uh, moves that they have, and that's all part of the game. It's all part of the show and things like that, and it's exciting to the fans. And uh, actually it takes, to, to me, like, the acrobat bats in, in, in basketball kind of takes uh, a little of the momentum out of the game. Uh, who's winning the game, but it's, it's, it's that good. Yeah. And then of course, baseball, uh, you see nowadays, uh, I do see more people make better sliding catches and acrobatic catches in the outfield, stuff like that. Infielders uh, make, uh, Tremendous acrobatic uh, catches along the, the dugout uh, sides of, of the field and things like that, uh, reaching over the fences and things. Uh, uh, I, I would agree with what Bo said. I think he's right on. Yeah, and, and I would agree that you almost have to separate regular season from the postseason in the NBA because they just kick it up another whole yeah. level in terms of defense and athleticism but, in that postseason. But, um, you know, I would – uh, sometime in football, when I watch football, I I, I love to watch hard hitting football. Yeah. And oh yeah. Sometimes, and, and I think it, you know, like uh, when you watch, uh, you know, like some linebacker or some defensive end, really, you know, like really put a move on a guy and smoking and th- things like that. <laughs> that's, Impressive that's balance. <laughs> you know, that's being an athlete. That's balance yeah. and rhythm, and that's you know really. I mean, that's got a lot of. Uh, athleticism in in sure. those moves to me, like when I watch them, yeah. and, and but at the same time too, of course, football is more uh, it's more rugged, it's more tough. But at the same time too, uh, basketball and baseball, uh, I'm with Bo. Yeah, I guess in a lot of ways it depends on the position in the NFL. Uh, you know, I mean, look, those offensive linemen are they're 350 pounds and moving yeah. like they're 250 pounds. They're athletes right. uh, as well. But, uh, you know, a big early running back or whatever. I, we should give a little bit of love to the to the guys who are on skates and skating up and down and skating backwards and 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 able to handle the puck and do everything they do in the NHL. It, it's simply amazing. It, it's really an argument of 1A, B, C, and D. I mean, you're right. all professional athletes uh, deserve the good. credit uh, of being great athletes. Best athlete right now, is it, is it Shohei Otani in Major League Baseball? I got to agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what he's doing uh, hasn't been done since Babe Ruth. And yeah. to go out there and pitch every fifth day and do what he does and then hit home runs and drive in runs and the way he runs, he's very athletic. Yeah. Uh, I think you're going to start seeing Murph. I'm not sure of this. You're going to start seeing some maybe people that have been raised in, in the United States, maybe being dual position players because it's happened with, with Shohei they might say, hey, we got a guy here in Texas or we got a guy in California that can pitch every fifth day and he's a good hitter and he's a good athlete. 
I think he's sort of leading the way yeah. down the road here in MLB to see you're going to see a few more of those guys that can do both things, pitch and and play uh, play uh, in the outfield or infield wherever they play. Yeah, and what Otani's doing it, you know, he's doing it at the highest level at both positions. Um, right. It's one thing to do it, which is amazing. Another thing to do it and and be amongst the best at both uh, uh, in the American League. Be interested to see if Shohei Otani finishes his career out there in LA. I'm not so sure he will. I think uh, I think we might see him somewhere else before it's all said and done. Wow, that's a that's a good prediction right there. Yeah, because they're not they're not winning. They're not winning. Not they're winning. Gonna, and they're going to have to pay this guy some big time money. And I don't, and I, you know, they've already have so many, you know, three or four mega contracts right? and they're not winning. And, and Shohei's would have to be the biggest of the bunch. Oh, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting, but yeah, uh, be a couple of teams in the mix for him. I would imagine that he might be able to help somebody <laughs> down the stretch. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Charlie, Larry, always great to see yeah. you guys. Always great to talk to you. Thanks for uh, being such a big part of uh, glove stories with Murph. Okay. Thank Murph, you. Bro. Thank you. All right, we'll talk to these guys next week, and uh, we'll take a break. More to come. Stay with us right here on Glove Stories with Murph. Welcome to This Week in Philly Baseball History, presented by Shad Vintage Sports. This week in 2009, Harry Callis was inducted into the team's Wall of Fame. Callis debuted as a broadcaster in the city during the 1971 season, the first year of Veterans Stadium, and became the sound of summer for millions of fans. Celebrate more Philly sports history with clothing from Shad Vintage Sports, where there's a story in every stitch. Visit them at 13th and Walnut Streets or at ShadSports.com. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app is here for both Pennsylvania and New Jersey. Get in on all the action, whether it's baseball, the basketball and hockey playoffs, golf, all your favorite sports. Download the all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app and make your first bet risk-free up to $750. Bet more than the score. Bet on individual player performances for hits, home runs, and strikeouts. Bet innings, first team to score, and more. Bet Parks is the only sportsbook and casino app that I recommend. The Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, where odds, bets, slots, and games all come together in perfect harmony right in your pocket. Sportsbook and all your favorite casino games for real money, all in one amazing app. Live in-game betting lets you bet while you watch the game. Download right now in the App Store, Google Play Store, or at BetParks.com and use my promo code MURPH. Bet Parks is also an official proud betting operator of the PGA Tour. The all-new Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app. You must be 21 and in Pennsylvania or New Jersey. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Phillies Nation is your source for breaking news, original analysis, trade insights, and more. Read today's articles at philliesnation.com. Glove Stories with Murph is sponsored by the Bet Parks Casino and Sportsbook app, along with Shine Vintage Sports and Phillies Nation, and is a presentation of SBC Media Partners. The engineer for Glove Stories is Chad Evans. Cindy Webster is our marketing and guest relations director, and our executive producer is Roger Haddon. Whether you are watching us on YouTube or downloading the podcast from one of the major podcast providers like Apple, Google, or Spotify, make sure to hit like and subscribe so that we can let you know when a new episode of Glove Stories is available. We'll release new episodes weekly throughout the 2022 Major League Baseball season.